Welcome into this special edition of UAP Weekly. Stephen Diener here with you on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And I'm really happy to be back with you, especially on this episode, because I think you are going to find this next hour very, very intriguing and very interesting. And maybe you believe what you're going to hear. Maybe you won't. That's the beauty of the show. It's always up to you. I'm never going to tell you what to believe. And it comes from a... Um, well, a controversial subject, and, and quite frankly, and I don't think you mind me saying this because he knows a controversial person in Ashton Forbes, who I've spoken to before on the show, and boy, the conversations surrounding MH370, the disappearance of Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 in March of 2014, um, and the amount of evidence that Ashton has put forth recently, or really just over the past two or three months since him and I spoke the first time, has been incredible. Um, the amount of attention that it has gotten, the amount of attention that he has gotten, different interviews and all the new things that have come out within the past two or three months. So I thought, you know what? Let's get Ashton back on the show here today. I know some of you love that idea. I know some of you don't love that idea, but by all means, you make up your own mind. And that's what I always try to do here is present you with the evidence and and you take it from there. So Without further ado, I'm not going to take up too much time here because um, obviously a lot is going on in the UAP world with, you know, congressional hearings and or I should say congressional fights, arguments about what's going to happen with the UAP Disclosure Act and things like that. Or will it turn into catastrophic disclosure as a term that's been thrown around? And it's a term you're going to hear now uh, in this interview with myself and Ashton Forbes. So take a listen here all about what's going on with uh, the latest on the disappearance of MH370 and what could have happened to it and why Ashton says he knows what happened to it. Here's myself and Ashton discussing all of that on UAP Weekly. So, Ashton, thanks for joining us here on UAP. And, man, we got a lot to cover. Well, first off, thanks for coming back on. I know you've been really busy. Yeah, thanks, Stephen, for having me. Uh, I'd like to always get back to the people that have been, you know, helping give the evidence a platform and get stuff out there. So appreciate you and your listeners for uh, being here with us. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm going to jump right into it because you've, uh, like I said, you've been a very busy guy over the past few months since since we last spoke. You've been in a lot of other platforms and shows and things like that, which we'll get to. But just for everybody who's kind of not up to date, um, we first spoke about two or three months ago. I'm sure we've both lost track. There's so much that's happened since, you know, September, October. Where are we with the investigation of MH370? Have you come across any you know, new tidbits, new revelations since then that kind of would, would point to some really big evidence? Um, yeah, I think we've had some pretty big things uh, get uncovered. So, you know, the biggest uh, thing that I'm most proud of is probably the Edward C. Lynn potential leaker information that I, I think it wasn't uh, brand new back then, but we keep finding more and more evidence that has narrowed down the time frame of his deployment to mm -hmm. within just a few weeks before and after Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. Now, how does it work real quick? So for anybody who's not familiar yeah. with that, maybe a little backstory on it, if you don't mind. Yeah. Well, first of all, MH370's plane that disappeared that, uh, you know, went missing and they we got no official story for why this plane went missing. We have these narratives that are out there that we've basically been able to debunk and show that what we're dealing with here is potentially one of the largest verifiable conspiracies of all time. And the implications here are uh, something that we're now referring to as catastrophic disclosure is... Mm. Uh, advanced technology that has been held secret from us and, and kept from us, a uh, unification theory of quantum and macro, which enables what a lot of people would believe to be just magic. Um, teleportation is what we think we're dealing with on the MH370 videos. 
And we were able to figure out who the leaker was. Um, I dug through old news articles looking for people that would have disseminated classified information. And I found this guy, Edward C. Lynn, who checks every single box. Um, hmm. It's almost undeniable that it has to be him. Uh, he ended up spending uh, six years in prison. Uh, he got three years shaved off because he signed a plea deal. Um, he had experience in signals intelligence. The classified information in question that he leaked was available on the internet. He got caught with flight manifest from a search and rescue operation in just two months after this uh, incident happened. And he had been reassigned just several weeks after uh, the plane went missing. So everything indicates that he was potentially a person on an airplane tracking the plane in real time that night. Um, mm -hmm. And so we were able to find a lot more uh, evidence that really narrowed down that time frame, including some of the dates that I just mentioned that he had been reassigned uh, March 25th, that he, the investigation into him began April 2nd, 2014, which is just like the next month. Hmm. Uh, they potentially obfuscated uh, everything around it. They added kind of phony charges to make people not realize what's going on with it. Uh, they waited to arrest him potentially because if they had arrested him too soon, people would have easily been able to tie his situation to the plane. Um, as well as just yesterday or two days ago, I think we found a uh, appeals document that he had appealed. And all over the appeal, it talks about the damage he did to national defense. I even put a FOIA request into the NCIS and I got back a total denial. They won't give me any information about the case whatsoever. Mm. They used an Obama air exemption to state that this was being withheld for the interest of national defense and foreign policy, but it wasn't a spy case. So everything really comes down to national defense. And even he argued that he didn't, he wasn't trying to hurt national defense when he leaked whatever he leaked. And it's like, well, that has to be the videos then because the conclusion that we've come to from deduction is that the person that leaked these didn't think they were hurting the U.S. government. They thought potentially they were just showing UFOs. Yeah. And then later on, they had to be told, no, no, that wasn't just UFOs. That was our hyper advanced teleportation technology that, you know, in my mind is reverse engineered, but we can't say for sure. Right. Um, and so, you know, everything points to this guy being the one. Wow. And since we last spoke, uh, you know, my platform has increased significantly. We've had. Uh, I don't even know what the numbers are now, 68,000 followers or something like this, which is to me mind blowing because I've never been on TV. I've done podcasts, sure, but right. you know, people that generally have this many followers are like on TV, they're famous for something or other, right? And I don't consider myself famous. So um, it's just, it's been kind of an incredible journey right now in terms of where we've gotten. Um, one of the things I want to bring up that I think is pretty relevant, that's interesting uh, that uh, in, uh, from the investigation is what I call the Chinese hack. We found these satellite pictures that China put out that supposedly were taken the day after the plane went missing that were supposedly of debris in the South China Sea. Um, but when you look at the pictures, it looks like three orbs and it looks like three orbs in a perfect triangle formation, similar to what we see in the MH370 satellite videos or the satellite video and the uh, drone video. Right. And. You know, I speculated early on, well, I wonder if this is actually spycraft, right? Like it's that they've obfuscated what the situation is around where these pictures were taken, even when these pictures were taken. And then it's a message to like the U.S. government saying, hey, we saw what you did. Right. Um, and I, I didn't really I kind of left it pretty speculative at first, because how do you prove that? Right. I mean, right. there's no way, essentially. But then we find out and I had forgotten about this, too, like many aspects of the case dating all the way back to 2014. 
The next day, March 9th, 2014, the day after the plane goes missing, China did a sophisticated social engineering hack on the Malaysian government. Hmm. They stole the crisis meeting minute notes of the plane, and they stole classified information related to MH370, which I would just ask the listeners, what could be classified on March 9th, 2014 from the plane? Why would China be hacking this information, trying to steal this, unless they knew there was no debris field anywhere for a 777 crash into the ocean? They knew something else happened to the plane. And they were trying to figure out and they attacked the likely target that we know, right? The crisis meeting minute notes are going to be like, yeah, we can't. this is what we can talk about. This is what we can't talk about. The classified information, like to me, it would have to be the communications. Communications were classified. And would, they all, would, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, how would China come across that information, right? We're talking about, you know, essentially what, like you said, the, the day after the disappearance, how does... I mean, are they just that sophisticated themselves where they, you know, they're keeping the tabs on all these things? I mean, you know, it was over, you know, Malaysia and everything. So proximity wise, but how, how do they even come across that information? Well, two things. First of all, they have satellites in the sky, too. So hmm. we checked where that satellite was located and it actually could see the Nicobar Islands where we think the videos happen. We were even able to check the range. I haven't reported this out, but um I've actually seen it firsthand that, yes, it covered a wide enough area where it could have been looking directly at where our satellite videos were taken. Oh, we're breaking news here right now, right? This is the first time you're, you're putting that out? Uh, quite a bit. I, I think I don't think I've even really mentioned it. So, yes, this could right. very well be true. And I have to dig back up because, like, all this evidence has now been – we've so much has come in. I've got to dig through it and sift through it, and I've been so busy. Mm. But, yes, yeah, so – theoretically could see there um, and see that location as well as this Mayday call that we have reported on that was ch- only reported in Chinese news that the idea here, this was a intercepted communication that chi- from the, I believe, Thai embassy. So China intercepted a potentially encrypted U.S. communication that was from MH370 that was claimed to be that the plane was disintegrating and attempting emergency landing. Now, we've reported this on several times because it corroborates what we see in the videos where this plane has smoke coming out of it. It's descending. It's turning like you would expect a plane that's like getting prepared to land in the ocean. And it's consistent with the witnesses sighting, Catherine, Catherine T., who also saw it descending um, as well as turning. And she thought that it was potentially trying to land in the ocean. So it's possible that China already knew something was up because they had that intercepted communication from the night before. Right. And from the day before. And then they're going, okay, well, we have satellites. We can, you know, a debris field from a 777 is going to be visible from space for several days. Yeah. So they're looking around with their satellites and going, okay, there's no, there's no debris field anywhere. Like we would see this smoking debris field in the ocean somewhere and there's nothing. That's when they go, okay, who do we start to hack? Right. Sure. You could hack the United States, but what they did was a social engineering hack. They put out something that said, you know, the, I think it was actually that they, they claimed, that, oh, the plane had been found. Click on this link. Right. Hmm. And then somebody in the Malaysian government clicked on it and then boom, now they've got a backdoor into their entire database. Um, and then they they didn't find it out till like later that day, like 12 hours later. And that's when they shut down their whole servers or what have you. But, man, that's just the fact that there was already classified information to steal at that point about the plane extremely suspicious to me. And actually, in my mind, rules China out from being a culprit in this. A lot of people wonder, well, could China have done this or even Russia? I, I China, I think it's ruled out from this. Russia, I just don't think has the capabilities or um, resources to pull something off that what we're seeing here. To me, it has to be the United States government. And they're the ones filming as well. I wonder if, you, if you've heard this before, too. And we have so much to get here to today. And this is just it's fascinating. And I know and I'm going to put this out there, too. I know there are some people who 
you know, as, as many people are supporting you, there is also people who doubt you. So we're going to get into some of that stuff too. You know, they say, Hey, challenge them, challenge them. We have a lot <laughs> to get to here. Okay. So yeah, go for it. Talk about, um, but I, I, just on that note with China and Russia, when it comes to, you know, could it have been them as opposed to the United States using advanced technology? I wonder if you've heard something like this before, because in my, you know, I guess sources, you can say, right. Everybody has sources. Um, yeah. but I have, you know, people who work within military intelligence who have spoken to me before and they've told me you know many times anything that might be you know ufo uap related advanced technology reverse engineer technology is more than likely coming from the united states because china and russia whatever they have has been stolen from the united states and that's not me saying that that's people within you know who work with the military intelligence who have told me this before of course who have to remain anonymous for obvious reasons have you heard sure. stuff like that before too no but it adds up with everything that i've been investigating and deducing from what's been going on you know four months ago i would have said i, I wouldn't wouldn't have been sure the united states is the uh strongest military power on the planet anymore and now i have no question that the united states is unquestionably at the top mm. and that everybody else is playing trying to play catch up and you know, I think that these videos were probably, if not the, actually, I just think they're probably the most significant leak of information to China and Russia, probably in our lifetimes. Because hmm. um, this is the type of thing where this is a trump card that sets you 100 years apart from other technology of other countries. And when this type of thing leaks, then now the other countries are going to start reverse engineering it right away. And I've said this multiple times, but if we can figure this out from a Twitter account and Google then boy, I really hope those intelligence agencies have figured it out. And it also adds up with why I wouldn't have been more, more overtly silenced or why the intelligence community of the United States haven't reached out to me. Mm. Because if this stuff hadn't been known to Russia and China, like they absolutely should have been reaching out to me to say, hey, be quiet. Here's a million dollars or something like that, right? Like, I mean, it's definitely worth it. So the fact that they haven't done that yet tells me that, yeah, they are not as worried about this leaking out, that they don't think it's going to do significant damage. And that the real reason why they would run the disinformation campaign on me then is that this, this information getting out to the public is the bigger concern uh, at this point. Who do you feel like is is part of a disinformation campaign against you? What what have you seen? What have you noticed? Have you thought, oh, well, this account, um, this person, whatever it might be, is is you know some type of government shill that is trying to discredit what I'm putting out there? Yeah, you know, it's tough. Like, I don't really want to be attacking and naming people in general because it's hard to distinguish and differentiate people between people that are disillusioned mm. and people that are disingenuous um and so uh, you know from that perspective uh i'm not really sure but if i will name one person it would be jack sarfati i think that this guy is uh, a spook for sure mm. i think that he's uh mentally unhinged as well i think he's a complete egotistical maniac who thinks that he was part of some secret government program because he has superhuman powers or something weird like that hmm. and that he got some message from the future uh guy's a complete nut job for sure yeah. and i think that he's pushing out disinformation about me and about uh some of the engineers and stuff that i've been talking to so if i was going to name anyone it would be him i think he's certainly got cia contacts that are feeding him disinformation as well um, and so people should definitely be careful of this guy. Um, he's not a good person either. I mean, just one of the worst people on the face of the planet I've ever dealt with. Wow. Um, so he's the only person I would probably name directly, but otherwise from the rest of the, from other people, you know, I don't know who's got contacts here or there, or 
you know, what they're being told in general. And I'm not trying to make enemies with people. So, sure. um, you know, whatever. Uh, the reality is that, you know, as long as you're, you know, cordial with me, then I'm going to have no, you know, reason to hate on you. In fact, I've been trying to build bridges with a lot of the UAP community that initially I think couldn't believe and maybe still can't believe that these videos are real. Um, because I think that there are just a lot of people out there where we have the same common goals, you know, which is to bring disclosure of advanced technology out to the world. And people know that, you know, the U.S. government um, knows more than they claim and that they have potentially advanced technology. The only question I think everybody asks and what we disagree on is, well, how advanced is it? Right. Can it actually be teleportation technology? Mm -hmm. And what I would say to those people is, well, what do you think it is, right? What, and I don't mean this yeah. in a condescending way, but if you think that there are other beings that are visiting our planet, how do you think they're getting here, mm -hmm. right? Like if they're not using chemical propulsion rockets to get here, the nearest star is four light years away. So yeah. do you think they're spending four years in a spaceship at the speed of light to get to us? You know, I almost have to have the ability to travel faster than the speed of light in order to get to our planet. So if you think that there are other beings visiting us, which I'm not 100% convinced of, uh, then there has to be a mechanism to travel faster than the speed of light. Um, but you could also just argue, okay, maybe there's, we, we found some archeological digs that have these craft or something like that, right? And that this is how we reverse engineered it. I think there's still a possibility that we don't need any of that to explain the technology. And that, you know, what have we been doing since the forties, right? We have been, uh, you know, reverse engineering um, you know, we're not reverse engineering, but we, since we split the atom, like that's 80 years ago, right. Yeah. It's not like we've been doing nothing since then. Right. <laughs> so, you know, that would be my argument is, okay, there, there's you, people just need to think about, I think the, what this technology really means. And the last thing I would say on it, um, then you can, uh, you know, ask me some more questions or grill me yeah. or whatever, challenge me is, um, we need to be thinking about bigger than nukes, much bigger than nukes. I think that there's this common concept about nukes and UFOlogy. You know, I've heard the stuff about shutting down nukes, which I'm not questioning whatsoever. But I, what I'm saying is that you need to scale it up. You need to say, okay, you know, this technology represents something that's much more dangerous than nukes. Represents something where, you know, if, even an individual could destroy not just the planet, but potentially our whole sun, stuff like that. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about straight up uh, James Bond supervillain level technical capabilities. And if that's the case, then we need to be having a serious conversation about how this information gets disseminated. And that's what I think is the government and the people that are trying to hide this. That's what they know. That's what they're afraid of. Because if I can come to that logical conclusion, then the people that know and see the technology know the dangers of it. And that's the ultimate reason for why you would do all these nefarious things to keep it secret. And that's the question, right? That's that's the big that's the big thing that everyone's been trying to figure out why continue to hide these things why did you know uh, republican congress members block the uap you know uh disclosure act or the schumer amendment as it became known it, so there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes where you know how, how is mike turner involved or mike rogers all these different things but i guess that's a different discussion um i want to kind of going back to the original source video you talked about you know very possibly finding the original leaker from that video where they put it out on youtube back in 2014 when it comes to that video itself, a lot of people point to that particular video and say, well, it's a fake to begin with. Why isn't it fake? Yeah. So, I mean, we have the huge amount of details for why it's not fake. And maybe I'll just run through them right now. Um, 
And before I say this as well, I just want to say that we do have a, it's actually $150,000 bounty right now. To oh, supposedly, it's okay. I was going to say, cause you yeah. guys have a bounty of 145. So it went up 5,000 before <laughs> I, I added my own 5,000 yesterday okay. after I had, we pushed out some videos that show that the first orb actually punctures a hole through the cloud. And not only does it puncture a hole through the cloud, but you can actually see the displacement of the cloud before the orb gets there, which is consistent with this forward-facing gravity engine where it's creating its own geodesic. And when I saw that and the details of that, and then it got, you know, there's arguments over whether or not it was real. And finally, someone third party was able to prove it conclusively um, using some detailed uh, analysis. That's when I decided, okay, it's time for me to put my own skin in the game on this as well. Hmm. No one's going to find this hoaxer. So I also just wanted to round it out because 145 is... <laughs> Kind of an awkward number. So yeah. 150 makes it a little bit easier to keep track of. I think there's also been rumors that people are considering adding significantly more than what I'm able to add into this pot um, just to keep adding the pressure on it. Um, but we don't want to keep adding it up where like, you know, if somebody's out there, they're, they're waiting for the pot to go up and up and up and up. And up. I would hope that $150,000 plus probably any you know job at any major studio is enough for someone to come out and admit that they were the ones to hoax these videos. But uh, if there's somebody hoax these videos, they would only have between four and 72 days to do so, depending on whether or not you believe the regicide and non-description in the original video that we can see going all the way back to early 2014 that says received March 12th, 2014. Mm -hmm. I mean, that date is extremely damning. That's four days after the event happened, right? That's right. barely enough time for somebody to record these and get it out to someone else. Um, and then the up published date is uh, May 19th, 2014 which is roughly 72 days after the plane went missing. So at best, you have 72 days, which any major studio is going to tell you, you can't put out a, a work of you know this magnitude from a CGI perspective um, in that short period of time. I think a lot of people have this ability, even myself, to overestimate your abilities, right? When I'm at work, I tell people, oh, I'll get that to you by tomorrow, right? Next thing I know, it's a week later. I'm going, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got sidetracked, got this, all this stuff come up. You know, um, or it took longer than I thought. And I think we do see a lot of people out there, people that make bold claims. Oh, I could do that in an hour. I could do that in four hours. These people are totally full of crap. hundred percent. If they could do that, they would have done it. Right. They would have done it and they didn't. Yeah. And nobody's been able to. So first thing I want to bring up is very important. There's no reference copy to copy from here. So a lot of people have been pushing this fake VFX debunk claiming that we're looking at some 90s video game graphic, which is so absurd that I can't believe I still have to refute it. We're not looking at any 90s video game graphics in our in these MH370 videos. It would have to be a 100% perfect match, not a, oh, it looks close enough that it's too close to not be it. We've already shown that there's like a million other different things in nature that look just like, have the same pattern, wave patterns that we see on the edge of our blast of this uh, endothermic event here, including supernovas, um, and other uh, scientific patterns that are out there. Um, that is in no way uh, evidence or proof that these videos are fake, especially not when you're doing it on a single frame. Um, and if you were to modify something, it's not a situation where you have a side-by-side -side and you can convert like an apple into an orange. It would be like taking an apple and converting it to an orange without any picture of the orange or knowing what an orange looks like, mm. right? And then just randomly changing the apple until eventually you got it to look like an orange, mm. right? So... The other analogy is it's like giving a, a monkey a typewriter and then waiting until they produce Shakespeare. Like, yeah. it's just not going to happen. Like, you don't have something to compare to. The monkey doesn't have Shakespeare to copy and write. And I think this is where most people don't understand this. To me, it seems like simple logic, but 
for a lot of people that uh, find the videos too hard to believe, cognitive dissonance takes over and they come up with any rationale for why the videos can't be real. Now, in addition to all this, we have realistic volumetric clouds that do show parallax, unlike some debunkers who falsely claim that they don't, they do. We have uh, th these cameras that need to be accurately animated, including the shaking that we see. There's actually uh, shutter. It actually increases as the, as the video, the drone video zooms in just like it would in, in real life. So the shakiness actually increases when you zoom in versus zoom out on it, uh, which is all extremely accurate. You'd have to know how these clouds form at low altitudes. We see these cumulus clouds as well. This isn't like clouds at a very high altitude. So you've had to build a whole storyboard for what we're seeing in these videos, which that mm -hmm. alone, you know, I've been building storyboards for one minute videos and they end up taking all night, yeah. right? Um, you'd have to know how to accurately illuminate these clouds. The zap actually accurately illuminates the clouds in the foreground and in the background in the satellite video, which we believe is explained by the energies, uh, the electrons being energized uh, in the area around it. That's the you part to, that really gets me, by the way, is where you yeah. see that, that that's that's hard. That's really hard to duplicate if, if you're going to. I mean, it looks that. extremely real to me when you see yeah. that zap, right? Like that's especially when the clouds are detailed, volumetric and accurate and showing parallax when they zoom in. Like that's some of the strongest evidence, in my opinion. Now, you also have to be able to recreate exactly what MH370 looks like. Both in the satellite video, we see it's light on the top, dark on the bottom which is consistent with Malaysian Airlines. In thermal, it's a perfect overlay, 100% perfect overlay over the plane. Um, you'd have to be able to recreate the turn radius of the Boeing 777 while at that certain altitude while in descent. This mm -hmm. is probably the next hardest part, is that this is where the supposed uh, VFX expert from Top Gun Maverick, who uh, posted on Reddit, said that this is the person that did this would have front-ran their work by four years. That movie was in 2022. And they mm. said that they actually had to cheat the shots about the plane moving because it's extremely difficult to get it to scale to accurate speed, given the size we see of the plane in the video. Right. Good so, for, you know, so that's something that's like, OK, well, is this person an engineer that works on airplanes? How do they know exactly to get the perfect consistency of the Ma uh, Boeing 777 Max and its capabilities? You'd have to know where the plane was at the exact time as well. It's actually on the official flight path at 1840 UTC in the Nicobar Islands at the exact location where this plane turned into the South Indian Ocean. I mean, people don't realize, but early on, there was, again, I keep using this word, but there was so much obfuscation about where the plane was. Did it disappear in the South China Sea? You know, did it go to the South Indian Ocean? Like this stuff wasn't easy to discern if you were somebody on the outside. Especially right? that early on too, right? Like you said, it's, this was loaded 72 days after the, you know, the disappearance. Yeah, even, and so four days after, there wasn't even a narrative of the South Indian Ocean. Um, and in fact, they didn't, like we were still looking in the South China Sea in 72 days after still people uh, don't know. Even nowadays, people are like, wait, so where did this plane disappear? Did it disappear in the South China Sea because they think, oh, it went dark there, but they don't realize, no, it flew. And then it went over to the Andaman Sea and then it flew south after that, supposedly into the South Indian Ocean, which never happened. Um, and then we have these coordinates. So the coordinates, again, indicate the South, uh, the uh, Nicobar Islands there. And you would have to be able to build this program. I was actually wrong. I had been saying that it's five decimal places. It's actually six decimal places on GPS mm. coordinates that are showing there that move accurately when they move the perspective. And it's not like it just moves from one coordinate to the other. You can actually see the minute coordinate changes as it's slowly shifting the screen. You'd have to build a, like, a complete recreation of like Google Earth in order to get this. And I don't think Google Earth has this kind of capability built into it. So... Mm. Now this person also has to be some kind of geography expert and, and build this over this separate computer program for the coordinate shifts. Um, 
you'd have to know the smoke trail that we see, which some people have argued maybe it's exhaust. People have tried to say, well, it can't be smoke because here's a picture of me cooking barbecue and you don't see the smoke. Like, guys, we're talking about lithium ion battery fire spewing toxic chemicals. <laughs> we're not talking about you barbecuing outside your house, right? Like, this isn't steam that's coming out of the plane here. Uh, and so, yes, this type of stuff can be seen in infrared. Uh, various chemicals and hydrocarbons do show up in infrared. So it definitely could be smoke. I'm not sure why people really are contesting that. Uh, but the creating those particles and, and actually in the drone video, it stacks up where it becomes more dense and you can actually see it uh, more white than when the drone is like looking at it from an angle, from a side angle, which is also very accurate, right? Like if you were looking at smoke and it's stacked up, you're gonna, it's going to be denser than if it's not. So all these little details are starting mm -hmm. to make this like really impossible. Um, you'd have to know what the thermal looks like to a level that fools the experts because, I mean, we've even got... Uh, some drone people that are out there claiming to be experts that are like, oh, this can't be what it looks like. But, you know, we've looked into the Raytheon cameras. This is almost certainly a Raytheon camera that has onboard software that can do a rainbow palette thermal overlay. So they removed the HUD. They added this rainbow overlay. We don't know the exact color settings and the temperature settings that they used. Um, but we can kind of estimate just based on the engine, seeing the engine red hot, right? Yeah. Um, You'd have to know how to do this heat signature that we see in the center of the plane, which actually accurately morphs and changes as the plane's flying around. Um, we've speculated at this point that this is coming from the AC units, but I think also that logical conclusion would be that the smoke is very hot when it comes out of the plane, and then it cools very quickly in the altitude. And this could explain why we see this heat signature there, but the problem is we don't have anything to compare to. It's not like we have another drone video of another plane flying at altitude, right? That we can compare, especially because we don't know what those thermal settings are on this. Uh, we would have to know, there's a lot of stuff that why the person who leaked this would pretty much have to be in the military or, or the person who would have hoaxed this would also have to be in the military because you have to have knowledge of military classified systems unknown to the public. Know that the military is using a Citrix environment, which right. is how we were able to confirm this mouse is at 24 frames per second in the a satellite video where the background is only six frames per second. Um, you would have to know what type of mouse they're using. There's actually a specific acceleration that we see with the, I believe it's a perspective change um, that is indicative, uh, indicative of like a touchpad or not a touchpad, but a uh, either like a roll ball or like a lock and, and click mechanism or a second analog or even one of those uh i don't know if they call it a nip on your on your touchpad on your uh, laptop that they use some of these like think pads have in the middle yeah but there's a different acceleration that comes with that that we've seen in the video as well one other thing that i'll point out is that a thing that i just noticed a couple of days ago is that the mouse actually changes color depending on if it's over the clouds or over the ocean it goes from mm -hmm. black to being transparent which is like why would you fake that into your if it was a hoax video it would just be like a single color like this is yeah. actually the only reason why you do that is because it's accurately like somebody really looking in, uh, looking, uh, logging in, looking at a satellite video and they want the mouse to be visible, right? When they're actually scrolling around the screen. Yeah. Um, you'd have to know what the satellites are in operation, what their payload is. We've proven that USA 229 is sitting there staring at the location where this plane supposedly turns in the South Indian Ocean where we think our videos are happening right there. Uh, that has a second satellite right next to it because the regicided on video is stereoscopic. So if we need to be able to explain why there's two angles staring down at the plane, then we've got our two satellites right there, right in the location that can send that data. Um, and what I will say, just a little side note right now, a lot of people wonder questions about 
Why does it look like the, set, the, the clouds are not moving? They are moving. Why does it look like, why don't we see the satellite moving? Because we're not staring like at the data from the satellite while it's moving. Yeah. We're looking at the Sibbers system, which is global persistent surveillance monitoring scanning the globe all the time it's building a google video playback for the military the reason why we even have coordinates is because they're moving around the globe right and they can move around and essentially see a huge uh battlefield awareness map which is very useful for the military sure right if we were just looking through the satellite we wouldn't need coordinates it's not like they're like using the satellite and they're moving it around with the coordinates right what they're doing is they're moving around and the data is being fed 24 7 non-stop to create a real-time video playback um have to know how to animate the orbs these orbs we can see a heat signature in them we can see this forward facing particle engine that i've described as this gravity engine that's creating their own geodesic around them or uh, in for in front of them that is pulling them along you'd have to know how to animate the final frames uh where the orbs converge on the plane they flatten showing uh gravitational lensing the same way if we were to look at a star that's behind a black hole Right. As well as the plane blurring because the plane's accelerating in the final frame as well. Just like if you were trying to take a picture of a runner. These are very minute details. You're going to have to know what the MQ-1C Great Eagle drone looks like. We There's only a few pictures out there that have the MQ-1C with the cameras on the wings as yeah. well. Maybe a special payload. So somehow they would have to know that. Like if I'm making a drone video, I'm probably going to use the most common pictures, which are the ones where they have the missiles on the side and the, the cameras in the front. Where you don't see the nose of the of the drone um and you'd have to know where that payload is exactly um to get that exact camera angle um as i mentioned i already mentioned the uh quote from the top gun maverick vfx expert but we also uh the the total disclosure podcast um he knows jeffrey ford from marvel vfx expert spoke to him texted with him uh, Marvel VFX, VFX expert who worked on Endgame, Captain America, Civil War, Spider-Man, No Way Home, says that to build a storyboard, to investigate all the research behind this and get it together, even using today's technology, we're talking four to six months. Wow. Um, so, you know, there's people out there that are YouTubers who think they could do it in a couple hours. And, you know, definitely they're just full of crap. I don't know how else to, to put it. <laughs> You'd have to have a better understanding of physics than most PhDs because everything we see here can be explained by science. I've been talking to engineers, physicists, um, people who are DOD contractors, and they fully believe that what we're seeing here is consistent with real capabilities that are just simply unknown. Um, and then we have some PhDs out there that say, no, this can't be possible. I have people in my space is going, well, I, I haven't been taught this, so it can't be real, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, this hoaxer would have to have a better understanding of what theoretical physics would have been like in 2014 than a lot of people do right now in 2023. You'd have to understand advanced mathematics uh, probably better than a lot of math PhDs as well, because these orbs are doing a perfect 120 degrees, a zero point sinusoidal pattern, which electrical engineers have told me that this is like a 440 volts uh, system. Um, which, you know, in my, I'm not smart enough to fully understand this, but I can understand when I'm looking at a wave function and it's a perfect wave function, meaning we're not looking at beings or humans moving this around. It's yeah. got to be a computer program managing this remote controlled, maybe advanced AI controlling it. Um, so all these details make it extremely difficult. And I think the most interesting one is that you would somehow have to know that we are never going to find the plane, not even nine and a half years later. Because the moment we find a plane, this whole hoax would break down right yeah. um so the person would also probably have to be psychic <laughs> i'm just joking but yeah <laughs>
No, I mean, that, that's an interesting point. Thanks for the, the explanation. Um, I mean, because honestly, it, gosh, there's a lot I want to touch on from there. But with the final point, too, it's honestly something I never thought about. Like, if you're going to fake a video, you would kind of have to bet, unless you're just some type of, you know, absolute whiz, most talented. You're, you're the Mozart of faking videos, and you're able to do this just because you want to. And you're just going to, you know, roll the dice and say, well, they're never going to find the plane anyway. So might as well put this out there. It's it's an interesting point. And you really, I mean, my gosh, Ashton, I mean, you, you have what I think trial lawyers would consider a mountain of evidence. If you were, say, you would, you know, present this evidence in a court of law. If you did something like that, right? And again, this is completely hypothetically yeah. speaking. If you were asked to go into court and prove under penalty of perjury that what you're saying is true, would you feel confident enough to go in there and explain and present everything that we just talked about as to yeah. why this is real? 100%. I, if, if I even had the opportunity, I would go take the bar exam just so I could get my lawyer license <laughs> so that I could actually go do this. People have like tried to say, well, um, and not a lot of people, but occasionally I get the message like, well, you're damaging the families. They might sue you or something like that. Or the government might come after you for this. I'm like, please, let's go to the court of law with this. You don't think I can convince 12 jurors with this? I think 100 percent. I'm any court situation. I'm asking for a jury to be involved. And I, I think that we have more evidence than any court case in the history of the world. I mean, we've got just to start off two videos, 19 witnesses. Um, you know, we've got the location, the assets, the time. It's like, you know, I, I don't know what people what people think is evidence if they don't think that this is like straight up hard evidence. People get convicted of murder for much less than this just on circumstantial evidence alone uh, constantly. So this is the part where definitely I'm not afraid of a courtroom, not at all, um, especially with this magnitude of evidence out there. You mentioned the families. I mean, have you spoken? Have you had the chance to speak to any families? Have you tried to reach out? Because that is one criticism I see a lot. And I understand a lot of people say, well, this is so disrespectful to the families. You know, we shouldn't even be delving into this because the families, they lost family members. They never see them again. What what type of, you know, controversy do you come across there? And have you been able to speak to anybody? Yeah, none. And the fake compassion argument is probably the most disingenuous argument that's out there. Uh, the people that make that argument probably haven't ever cared about anybody but themselves their whole lives. So hmm. I think that especially the people that I've seen make that argument are, are not the type of people that care about others. So I think that's, first of all, just completely ridiculous that people would make that argument and, and definitely should not um, because it, it just does, it doesn't ring true when they do. The families were given no official answer. The official answer, what happened in this plane, is unknown. That's the actual, the actual official answer. There is no official families, cause. Let's, let's say they're the families um, come across what you're doing, right? Yeah, you're I hope one, they do. One of the family members. Do you think they would feel closure by what you're doing? I don't know if they'll feel closure, but I think they'll get more answers than they've been given to date. There's people still fighting in China right now as of like about a week ago that they have the court case. Um I think that that's actually one of the ways that we can get the information out there. So I uh, reached out to the lawyers of the court case that was in the United States, where uh, Malaysia Airlines versus Thomas Wood was able to find the court case on it. Some of the lawyers called them, told them to call me back. Uh, so haven't heard back yet, but you know I don't know what their mindset is on a lot of this. The reality is this court case was dismissed in 2018. The federal judge that dismissed it, uh, it her name is Katenji Brown Jackson. She was uh, promoted to Supreme Court justice under Biden right. a few years ago. Right. And I just that made me almost drop down the rabbit hole once again, 
uh, because the reality is if these videos are real, this court case should have been tried in the United States 100%. The U.S. government is implicated based on the evidence that I've seen here. And uh, they dismissed it because they said that Malaysia is a better location for it, despite the fact that Thomas Wood's brother, Philip Wood, is an American passenger, American, that Boeing's an American company. Um, you know, they decided Malaysia Airlines is the one. And, and what this meant was that the settlements were much much smaller. I looked them up. I couldn't believe it. Everyone was given a $50,000 uncontingent uh, payout initially. But after that, they got basically signed, uh, had to sign uh, essentially a, an agreement that says they won't talk about the case anymore if they take the additional settlement, which is only roughly $30,000 on average. Wow. For, uh, you lose your family and you get $30,000. Like, it's unfathomable to me, especially because some of these people, it's like their income earners were lost. And now this is like eight years they're going through to nine years for this. And, you know, depending on when they sign the settlements. So the ones that are still out there, the people say these people got closure. No way. Now, some of them moved on for sure. And I know for a fact that some of them have and gotten remarried or what have you, but they didn't get any closure. And so I, I have no qualms with continuing to push forward with this under the guise of hurting the families. That's certainly not something I think is real. And to date, not a single family member has reached out to me. Not in any way, definitely not to tell me to not stop looking. Mm. Um, so, you know, when that day comes, and they tell me to stop looking, I will potentially consider it. But the reality is here, as, as sad as this is to say, and because the reason is we're doing this for the families, the pilots that were vilified falsely, the witnesses that were discredited falsely, the leaker who went to prison for over six years. Despite all that, the technology supersede or it just overshadows it that aspect of it is more important than the plane going missing. Um, now, it doesn't mean ultimately at the end of the day, if the U.S. government admits that's MH370 on these videos, I will be happy. And I will probably start to stand down on this, though I will continue to have the discussion about what true disclosure means um, because I don't want to hurt the national defense either. I love my country. Uh, but the reality is this technology is world-shattering, world-changing. It's catastrophic disclosure. It blows away all the disclosure timelines that are out there, the people that are schemers that are making plans. It uh, destroys the slow acclimation process of getting people used to what this technology can mean over decades, potentially even centuries, not sure what exactly the timeline is on their plan. Um, and so that's what I think is the biggest part of this. And that's what I think we need to do is we need to be having the discussion. What does this technology mean? How is it going to change our world? How do we get it out there without destroying ourselves? What do you have to say to somebody like uh, Mick West? And I bring him up because, you know, obviously famous debunker. If if you know Ashton's work, if you know my work, then you know who Mick West is because he's on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to this conversation. And all due respect to him, I have nothing personally against the guy. I've never met him or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm sure he's a fine human being and, you know, and everything like that. But we kind of had a little interaction with Mick West on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. And I put it out there. I, I'm actually the one that kind of, you know, started the conversation between you and Mick West, where I said, let's get you both on the show here on UAP. Let's talk about this together. Let's have a debate of sorts mm -hmm. and let Mick say why he thinks these videos are faked, why he thinks you're lying about it and let you discuss why that isn't the case. So if Mick West was yeah. here, right, obviously he declined. Um, and the, the invitation's still open, by the way, Mick. So if this gets back to you, I'm happy to have you on. Um, if he was here right now, 
what would you say to him outside of everything we already spoke about? What if there was one thing, one thing that you could point to him and say, this is why you're wrong and I'm right. What would you say to him or anybody in that case that has his opinion? Well, I would say they just need to look at the totality of the evidence, right? I think that a lot of these people try to look past the evidence and come up with their own reasons for why the videos are not authentic, right? That Which, his stance. He kept saying, well, why should I come on and debate? Because the video is fake to begin with. I don't need to talk about fake videos. I was like, exactly. All right, well, that's a pretty closed minded view, right? I mean, that's not the way that a logical, rational person thinks is that somebody who's logical and rational is going to look at the evidence and then they're going to come to an informed conclusion. People that ignore the evidence and then just think that they must have all the answers are, are not people that are thinking logically or rationally. So I have nothing against Mick West. Um, but what I would say is that people that are lying about the videos and, and he's pushed out the most disinformation of anybody to date by a wide, wide margin. Every The only reason why the VFX debunk exists is because of him. It all goes back to him. And I don't think a lot of people even realize that he's the originator of that. And that's how social contagion is uh, so toxic and pervasive in our society is that a single person can obfuscate where the information comes from. It can be pushed by social media to the point where people adopt those beliefs as their own. And if you were to ask a lot of people, do you know that that came from Mick West? They would say they had no idea, right? Mm -hmm. um, because now it's been pushed by other fake experts like the Corridor Crew and um, other people on YouTube, et cetera. And no one really knows where it goes back to. But it goes back to a guy whose whole job is try to debunk videos, who's tried to debunk real DOD Navy videos from 2017, which is just weird to me that you would even try to do that he also tried to debunk the sibbers stuff too which also just very bizarre hmm. um and so no i i think that i don't know if he's just delusional or if he's at a point where he has too much to lose at this point because you know people he will lose he, he doesn't have any credibility but he would lose whatever little credibility he has left with the people that still believe in him hmm. um and what i would say to him too is that it's one thing to try to debunk you know ufo videos that's harmless, right? All you're doing there is preventing us from learning and, you know, advancing as a society and a human race and in terms of getting the technology that can change the whole world. Um, but it's another thing to lie about a plane full of 300 and 238 people, 239 people, I believe, that went missing, that we never got any official answers. When you start lying about things that are essentially criminal, the disappearance of this many people, then this rises to the level of seditious conspiracy. Um, we put people in prison for uh, 17 years that were not even at the riots that happened on the Capitol on January 6th. So I think that people should be very careful about what they lie about related to these videos and the disappearance of this plane, because this precedent has already been set that seditious conspiracy does not mean you have to be directly involved in it. Um, you being involved in hiding the videos is plenty in a court of law. And like I said, I'm not afraid of a court of law. I will also say, too, that the people who are lying and pushing fake videos about them being debunked should also be very careful because there's also precedent that if you lie about events that happen, you might get fined and sued for a billion dollars. Oh, gosh. So, you know, and I actually mentioned this on a particular show that I was on that's very popular in conspiracy venues for somebody who was uh, sued for a billion dollars um, over an incident that happened and due to them lying or supposedly lying about it. So if you are a YouTuber out there that has 6 million subscribers and you don't want to be sued for a billion dollars by the families after lying about the incident of the plane and what happened to it, uh, if I were you, I would delete your videos that are out there trying to claim that they're fake. Um, because the reality is that is evidence that can be used against you in the future when these videos are authenticated and declassified. And I will be pushing for that. I will be pushing for those level of consequences for people because I think we should live in a society 
where we have equal justice and we don't try to simply punish people that we're against and we hold our uh, legal uh, precedence uh, equally among people that uh, for similar situations. Why do you think now, obviously, you have your reasons for what you do, right? It was natural curiosity, I think, that kind of let you down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And now here we are today of, you know, these things that you've come across and you have all these notes and all the evidence that, you know, you you say you have compiled there and you presented it obviously very well. Um, on the other end, why do you think those people, whether it's Mick West or whether it's, you know, a YouTuber with six million subs, what is what do you think their end game is? And I know it's hard to get in somebody's head. I don't you know, I don't yeah. want you to put words in anybody's mouth. But from your experience, from everybody who's come at you from the opposite side, what do you think their end game is? Why are they so passionate on the other end to say you're wrong? These are fake and you're part of it. Uh, it's it's hard to say. And I don't think that necessarily they are directly in cahoots with the people and the government agencies that are trying to hide this stuff. But I, I do think that they potentially could be getting used to that respect. I think that a lot of people have no uh, issue understanding that the government controls our media. Like people think that we live in a society with free media in the United States. I would argue that our media is no different than Chinese media, Russian media. It's state sponsored. I think that the government agencies are smart enough to know where the influence is and how to try to discredit people who have influence if they won't uh, cooperate. I think that they definitely can control uh, YouTubers and TikTokers and other influencers. I would argue that Mick West is an influencer, most likely. And, uh, you know, I would love to know whether or not he's being paid by the government to, quote, unquote, influence people. Um, and I think that a lot of that's come out as well with stuff like the Twitter files, where not only are they influencing people for uh, manipulation purposes, but they control social media as well. So, you know, I think that the idea here then is that people get used and told stuff. You know, one thing that came out from some of the podcasters who very bizarrely tried to essentially debunk me in, in person and, and failed miserably is that they were being told misinformation by multiple people about me. One of the things that I'll just go ahead and say here is that they were told by five. One of them is claimed by five different individuals that I was using bots to hmm. post comments on their on their videos and their YouTubes, which is categorically false i've never used any bots or anything like that i'm a 100 honest and open person all you have to do is talk to me about anything um and the fact that there's this many people pushing misinformation disinformation objectively false statements about me to try to sway the opinions of people who are interviewing me um means there's something going on there like that's not normal behavior at all right um and and so you know, they're being manipulated, whether or not it's overtly or indirectly, I'm not sure. This is also part of the reason why I've been trying to extend an olive branch back out to part of the UFO community, because if I think about it logically, it makes sense why people that are trying to hide this are going to be trying to play both sides against each other, where in the end, we're all trying to achieve the same stuff. Whether yeah. or not you think these videos are non-human intelligence, whether or not you think that it's our technology, you know, I think that one leads to the other. At the end of the day, we are disclosing advanced technology that is unknown to us that can change our world. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to, I think, with a lot of the things that are going on out there. And I think that's that's fair to say. Um, I'm curious because you've had a lot of people coming at you. Right. You mentioned some of the podcasters, some of the YouTubers, things like that. But on the other end, you've also increased your visibility when it comes to different interviews. You mentioned, you know, one famous one. It was, we, we can say his name, I think, is Alex Jones. You were on the Alex Jones show recently. Yeah. Um, you were with Kim Ravers, I believe, as well, recently. So yep. with this increased visibility that, you know, you're kind of experiencing, are you also seeing an increased awareness 
in the evidence that you are kind of presenting and with someone like Alex Jones, I mean, did he, was he on did you, your side, so to speak, or, I mean, what, what was, what were some of those things like for you and how has that kind of changed things now? Yeah. Reality is Alex Jones, uh, impressed me a lot. You know, I, I didn't know how it would go down or what his attitude would be in general. I knew he was, you know, uh, he's probably the number one name in the conspiracy community in general. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't the type of situation where I could turn it down one way or another. I did have people tell me not to talk to him, but you know, people tell me not other people not to talk to me. So how I'd be a hypocrite if I uh, didn't talk to him to begin with. And I've learned that regardless of people's preconceived notions, we have to, uh, you know, have set a clean slate. We have to judge people by what they say, not what people say about them. Mm-hmm. I also don't have the luxury of not talking to certain people either. Anyone who has a platform, I'm willing to get the evidence out there. I'm not afraid of talking in front of anybody about the evidence or even going back and forth. I'm not afraid of being challenged either, honestly. Um, Alex Jones, I think this is a quote from him, truly one of those mind-blowing interviews we've ever done on InfoWars. So yeah. if if I do die early of a you know whatever, sudden causes or anything like that, just put that on my gravestone, okay? That's, uh, that's high <laughs> praise coming from him, in my opinion. And uh, I think as the visibility has increased, some of the attacks have died down because it, at this point, like, you can't stop it anymore, right? It's grown to a point where it can't be managed. Um, the evidence has gotten out there more. I see the people who are the followers repeating the evidence that I put out there. And that's the whole reason why I put it out there so that people can just a- answer people's questions. So I don't have to be the one, you know, months ago, I was the one replying to every single reply as much as I could. Now I've got so many followers, so many updates. I just literally can't do that anymore. I don't have the time for it. I can't even keep up with my emails that people are responding to me now anymore. Um, So that's what I'm, I'm just, I'm proud of that. I'm glad of that. Um, I think that, you know, if anything were to happen to me, the evidence is going to stay out there and people will pick up and go with it. And it also makes me feel a bit safer because it means that the information is decentralized. It's not that I have all the information in my head. Um, And I, again, what I want to say too, is that I, I never asked for any of this to happen. Um, you know, people I've had a few people tell me that I'm famous, which I don't feel famous and I don't I don't think I am. But, um, you know, I do want to make sure that the families get the answers to what happens. Plane. We all deserve the answer. The whole world does yeah. to what happened in this plane. And I, I won't stop until that happens. Well, actually, it's funny because I was going to say, you know, kind of what is what is the end game? And it sounds like the end game for you is really full and unadulterated disclosure when it comes to this issue. Yeah, I think we're calling it catastrophic disclosure now, right? Yeah. That's I like that term a lot that people have brought out there, uh, catastrophic disclosure. I think that this is something that, you know, the intelligence community, the government thought that, oh, these videos have, have been hidden, you know, well, no one's going to ever figure it out, right? Hmm. Nine years goes by, we've got this group of social media people and just some normie guy comes out of nowhere and just starts, just starts singing about him, right? Starts digging into the evidence, starts deducing everything that is essentially supposed to be hidden um so i think the end game really though is at this point we need to get the u.s government to make a statement about the videos right we can force them into a statement the fact that they've made no statement today is also very telling right i'm not sure they can even legally lie about the videos so really the only things i could see them saying is saying that well we can't confirm or deny anything which itself would be an affirmation that they're real or they would have to come out and admit they're real, which I don't think they can do. So this puts them in a bind, right? And I want to force their hand because, hmm. you know, when you have somebody on the ropes, that's not the time you let up. That's the time you go in for the finishing blow, right? You don't let them give it. Don't give them time to react. Don't give them time to drop a black box in the 
South mm -hmm. Indian Ocean or whatever they might do, right? Because that's probably the next play is to try to come up with some other diversion to make people think that the plane really did crash down there when we've essentially proven it couldn't have. Yeah, I mean, gosh, the amount of searching that they've done. I know you've looked into that as well, the amount of searching that was done, you know, before, or I should say after the crash, and even in some cases, you know, to present day. I know mm -hmm. you've, it's, it's, it looks like you've got another kind of um, big conversation coming up too. What is your connection with Dr. Stephen Greer? I see you guys are going to be on a Twitter spaces together here pretty soon. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out exact framework for how that's going to play out. But I had somebody reach out to me uh, a couple of weeks ago and say, hey, you know, would you be interested in being in a space with Dr. Stephen Greer? It would be potentially really huge. And I said, yeah, I mean, you're kidding me for sure. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I think and just like I said, with Alex Jones situation, it's like I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. I think that, um, you know, Dr. Stephen Greer is potentially somebody who's had a lot of disinformation pushed about him. You know, even my own opinion of him. I uh, was probably somewhat tainted before I ever saw these videos. And then I was talking to actually Kim Iverson and she mentioned having him on and saying that a lot of stuff he was saying was consistent with what I was saying about, you know, a lot of these UAPs that we see out there are, you know, 70 to 80% of them are ours. Right. And that I mm -hmm. thought was very interesting because I thought, Oh, well, that's what I'm basically saying here is that, you know, the reason why these would be increasing is because we figured out how to reverse engineer these. We've made our own, they're ours. And, that that's why the sightings of these uh, orbs and other various anomalous events have gone up over the over. Some of them maybe even China and Russia at this point. Hmm. So I'm very interested to talk to him. It's not going to be a situation where I'm just going to be agreeing with anything that he has to say, everything he has to say. It may also be a situation where, you know, it's more of a open forum or it could be a situation where he's kind of uh, speaking about, you know, his beliefs predominantly, but I will have an opportunity to ask questions at a bare minimum. And it may be more of a back and forth as well. Um, if so, my questions will be about the advanced technology, trying to glean as much information about what he knows about advanced technology, because I do think he was, uh, at least once upon a time in the know for that type of stuff. Hmm. Um, so I think he'll have a lot that will help us in terms of understanding the framework for the case. And what I want to know for him as well as the same thing I ask everybody is, you know, is true disclosure still worth it? If what it means is technology that is essentially doomsday tech. Right. And I want to know what his opinions are on that and how we move forward as a society with those implications. It's going to be interesting. And if it does happen, by the way, you know, if, if and when I'll try to jump on there myself and take a listen and maybe raise my hand and try to get a word in there. We'll see how it goes. But um, be very interesting discussion for sure. And kind of get you out of here on this today, Ash. I know we've been speaking for a while, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you got a lot of other things to get to as well. So, you know, Kenny, I appreciate your time coming on here today to have this, you know, this, this discourse, because I, I'm like you in that sense where I try to talk to everybody. If, if someone will take the time to come on and talk with me, I don't care who it is. If I agree or disagree, that's why I invited Mick West on the show. The invite's still open, but obviously he's not accepting it. But when it comes to just, I guess, the overall landscape, right? You've spoken to a lot of people. You've done a lot of social media. Do you feel you've gotten further with your message now, here we are, you know, early December as we record this, then you were, say, the first time you and I spoke back, I believe in October, I believe was the first time we spoke. Do you feel like you've been able to change minds in that time frame and get more of your message across to where people are now saying, wow, my, I, I didn't look at like this before this, this, this might actually be legit. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I never would have thought we'd be in the situation. You know, I couldn't predict the future back then, but We've got powerful allies in MH370X now. 
Um, you know, the, the people that have put those bounties out, Kim.com, wonderful guy talking to him, very logical and reasonable person, you know, Chad and Sherry, the investigate earth podcast have done three parts with them as well. Um, as well as this, uh, wealthy follower that I talked to that run for higher office that has connections on the Hill as well. And I, I haven't spoken too much about a lot of this stuff because I try to keep it close to the chest, but, um, I I've been talking to people that I, I would have never believed that I would mm. be able to talk to in the past, right? People that are influencers, podcasters, et cetera, things like that. Um, and you know, I, I just, it's almost a surreal situation for myself and, uh, I like to just keep it grounded though. You know, I'm just a normal person that is willing to talk to anyone from that respect, but you know, just the video that I pushed out yesterday, which was uh, the highest quality of the satellite video that I think we've seen out there where you can very clearly see the coordinates and the NROL 22 in the bottom left corner. Um, I was checking this morning, it had 1.8 million views. You know, I'm like, wow. these are the types of views that like major influencers are getting right on their, on their tweets and on their posts. Um, so we've definitely reached a point where we've changed minds. Um, people have said, oh, this changes my mind or, a lot of people said early on, I thought it was fake. There's actually another person I'm going to be talking to on Friday that said, uh, you know, they want to have me on. They have a pretty huge following on YouTube. And that they said, you know, early on, I thought it was fake. But now, you know, it, it seems like it's real, et cetera. Um, and, and that's what's big for me. I think changing people's minds that are open-minded, that are willing to look at the evidence. Um, because as hard as this stuff is to believe, the preponderance of the evidence is so overwhelming that it really leads to the most logical conclusion of what happened to this plane, you know? And I think that that's what shows the strength of the videos is that, uh, and I think I spoke on another podcast that we almost don't need the videos anymore just because of how strong the overall evidence is, but it goes to show the authenticity of the videos. We could never figure this all out unless the videos were real. They corroborate what really happened to the plane to a degree that is essentially impossible. Um, so yeah, I think that it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey, amazing following. I don't know what's going to happen. What I will say is it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Hmm. We're taking it one day at a time. I think that if we get to the point where it's Malaysian airlines, 10 year anniversary, that will be huge. There's gonna be a lot of people pinging me on, on those days, uh, yeah. leading up to that as well. Which is around the corner. It's only a few months away, really from, from today as we speak real quick. Do you have a few more minutes? Cause I just had a couple. Yes, of please Next keep going. Minutes. We can keep going. No problem. Um, I'm just wondering as far as, you know, uh, other names in this, in this field, people who have a big influence, people who have helped to push disclosure forward just in the past few years, who that comes to my mind, Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon, have you come across them at all or what they might think about what, what you're presenting? Um, Christopher Mellon, no, I have had no interaction whatsoever. Um, I think I probably follow him on Twitter, but I, yeah. he hasn't reached out. Really, none of the big names had really reached out to me. Um, Dr. Greer happened through uh, backend channels. I was actually looking at Lou Elizondo's page because I wanted to see which of these UAP accounts that I had blocked that I could unblock. Hmm. Turns out he had me blocked. I don't know oh, when wow. that happened, but interesting that was, that was pretty bizarre um Elizondo has blocked you on twitter that's that's yeah, something yeah awesome a little badge of honor i guess i didn't realize oh. that that was a a thing that people like that did but it goes to show that he's definitely following the case though right and that's a lot of these people they know how social media works so they don't want to put any of their ideas out there that aren't filtered through a very specific lens um but he's out there for sure watching the case and that's very interesting because he's a literal spook like an actual you know, he said he's an intelligence operative, like no question. Right. So the question people should be asking him is how much does he really know about the implications of the technology? Right. If he knows the true implications of true disclosure here, then the question is, is he on the side that thinks it needs to be kept secret and that he's only slow dripping information that goes along with 
the official timetables and narratives of disclosure? Or is he really the type of person that's on the side of quote unquote catastrophic disclosure, which is getting the truth out to the world without through filters and acclimation processes and timelines. Ripping the bandaid off, so to speak. <laughs> right. And I have nothing against Lou Elizondo. I hope that he unblocks me and uh, has an honest conversation about what's going on. Cause I think that the difference between me and people like him is that I'm going on the podcast, speaking my free, uh, my mind freely, uh, unfiltered, uh, full honesty, full transparency. And a lot of people like that are not transparent about their understandings and beliefs. And they're, when you ask them questions, it's all, well, I can say this about this, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, with me, you get everything that I know straight up front from any question that you would ask. So, um, I hope that when people listen to that, they realize that, you know, I am just an honest person and that's the difference between me and people who are literal intelligence operatives. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very interesting. I, I was caught off guard by that. I didn't know that Lua Zondo had blocked you. That's just real quick. I mean, just, just, yeah. that's just my natural curiosity. Do you know, have any idea why he would block you or is it just all speculation? Uh, my only thought would be that like I did put out a post that I ended up deleting that tied him and several other uh, prominent people to some of the people that had been attacking me. And then mm -hmm. I kind of decided like it, things blew up right after that where Kim.com got involved, you know, involved. And then I just kind of realized that it doesn't really matter how many people attack me. It's, it got to a point where it's, it, you know, the UFO community, people who were attacking me wasn't relevant anymore. And some of them like I, I just didn't think they had ill intent anyway. So I just didn't feel like uh, trying to fight on that level, you know, roll in the mud just didn't seem yeah. worth it anymore. And I still don't. I'm not that kind of person in general anyway. So I thought, well, maybe that's the reason why, I, I guess. But honestly, only he'd be able to answer that. I think people should ask him why he blocked me. Why? And I think people should continue to ask all these UFO personalities, um, just to name a few more, Ross Colhart, Jeremy uh, Corbell, you know, George Knapp. Um, you know, why why are they ignoring this case right are, do they really think that it's the videos are fake if so why um because this can only further their cause i'm dishing up disclosure on a silver platter here right so th these are the questions people should be asking these big names because we need to figure out what side of the line these people are on right are they really on the side of true disclosure or are they on the side of working with the government and being told that no we've got to slowly drip this to the the people because their you know minds will break or whatever you know and lastly what i'll say is that this is all about having the conversation about this technology right i think that that's what's been missing with respect to ufoology in general is talking about what the real implications are of this technology and how we get it out there um, without potentially destroying ourselves it's really interesting and real quick too all right i was wondering this too ashton and i kind of felt bad asking so i was like i don't know if i want to say it it sounds bad but i'm just gonna ask it anyway ask anything. Yep. <laughs> are you worried about your safety do you worry do you look over your shoulder do you feel like i don't know about this one you know if this person or that agency sees this <laughs> you know x y and z might happen or does it bother you at all no i'm not afraid at all and i mean i think you can tell by the names that i'm dropping in here that in the way i'm talking about them in general that yeah, for yeah. sure I'm, i probably got people who are extremely upset of what's happening um and how it's being pushed out there right and they might have good reason to uh retaliate you know but um you know if that were to happen it, it would only uh add more credibility to the case and other people would rise up but you know, for sure. That's why I've pushed the information out there. That's why I've been doing as many podcasts as I can do to make sure that that information's out there. 
Uh, I don't think that I'm going to die of old age. I'll say that just straight up front. Oh, Seems man. pretty un pretty unlikely. Uh, it might be a little bit morbid, but uh, I don't have any regrets whatsoever, and I don't walk around afraid of anything happening. Doesn't mean I'm not cognizant of my surroundings, but um, you know, I, I decided long ago in the first few weeks that there couldn't be a more noble cause than trying to figure out the answer of MH370, trying to get this technology disclosed to the public in a way that will change the world. You know, I just, I care about other people more than I care about myself. And it, I would not be able to live with myself trying to keep this information secret, especially knowing all of the people that have nothing on this planet, the homeless people that I go by every day, the people that I see hungry, the children that I imagine go to bed hungry because they have nothing. When all of these types of problems could be changed, the wars that are going mm -hmm. on, that our people are dying for no reason, no reason whatsoever. We should be unifying as an entire world around this type of technology and figuring out ways where it doesn't matter like these little wars that happen. What we need to prevent is ourselves from destroying ourselves. Or as what uh, Salvador Pius and Dave Rossi and I were talking about on the hard truths number four, I believe it was, where it's like, what if there's an external threat that we're not even aware of, right? That has this type of technology that could wipe us out in an instant, right? If that exists, hypothetically speaking, and we should be rallying around that common cause, almost like Independence Day right. movie, right? right? It's like we need to be, uh, this needs to be not the United States Independence Day, but the Independence Day of the entire world um, that goes on. So, no, I'm not afraid. I am definitely skeptical when, uh, you know, beautiful women slip into my DMs nowadays, though. I don't know if I can ever trust anybody <laughs> ever again. Uh, but, you know, that's a good problem to have. It's a really good problem to have. <laughs> sure. Yeah, just watch out. Well, hopefully, hopefully nothing nefarious in the future. Um, I will. And maybe you find, you know, the woman who actually isn't trying to do something bad to you. Um, I'll get you out of here on this, though, for real this time. Yeah. What do you think, again, hypothetically speaking here, sure. this all comes out. Everything you're saying is proven true. All the doubters, all the skeptics realize, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, wow, we were wrong. And Ashton, everything he's been saying is true. And mm -hmm. you have you have your your day where you say, Hey, you know, I guys, I told you so. This is what I've been trying to tell you. And it's like literal fact. It's proven true. It's on the news. It's all over social media. People doing TikToks about it. This is what happened. This technology is out there. What's the end result? If if and when that day ever comes, what does that look like yeah. to you after catastrophic disclosure, so to speak? Yeah, and I thought about that. Would I be the person that says, ha, 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 I told you so, whatever. But uh, no, probably just be another normal day for me in general. I imagine I get a lot more requests to speak to people. But um, <laughs> no, I, I don't think I'm that kind of person. You know, And there are people that I definitely would have. It'd be hard to fight the urge not to say I told you so to some people. But in general, that's not what this movement's about. You know, This movement's about getting that information out there. So it would be an emotional day for sure. Uh, there would probably be a lot of crying happening on that day in general in terms of just what it means for us and what it's meant for the investigation, all the people that have been here uh, going through that entire journey. There's a lot of people that I would like to be able to meet, including uh, Lieutenant Commander Edward C. Lynn, if he were able to come out and authenticate the videos. Um, he's the real hero in all of this. He's the one that made this all possible um, mm -hmm. by leaking these videos. So, you know, I, I'd like to have a situation where we all meet together one day and uh, share our thoughts because I think that what comes after this is a, is a conversation, a discussion about what this means next for everybody, right? Um, so I don't want to alienate people that didn't believe the videos were real because the reality is those people are part of this planet too. We need those people as well. And I can understand why they didn't think they were real. As I've said before, early on, I had so much ontological shock 
that I had to ask my own parents if I was in some kind of Truman show situation mm -hmm. where everything was fake and this was some big elaborate hoax. I, I couldn't figure out how it could be a hoax, but I couldn't understand how I was somehow in the center of all of this uh, that was happening. Um, so yeah, no, I can understand how people are skeptical of it. And what I would say in the end is I have no enemies, so please don't make an enemy out of me. I, I don't want to be anyone's enemy. All I want to do is be an ally of humanity and what this uh, means for our future. Well, man, there's there's a lot uh, to still to talk about. There's this is such a huge subject with so many implications um, to our present day and to our future. And I know a lot of people still don't believe what you have to say, and that's fine. You know, we always that's why I wanted to bring you on. Let you you know, we can have this discussion. If people still don't believe it, that's fine. That's up to them. If people have you know, if you've changed somebody's mind, then that works too. So I hope we can do this again soon, Ashton. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just a super fascinating discussion for me to have with you because, I mean, gosh, you've dived into this so much. So it's 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 a thrill for me to talk about it because, again, of all of all the, you know, things that can come from it in general and what's what's out there, what's really going on. So and that's, I guess, kind of just the the crux of the UAP podcast to begin with. Right. What's out there? What's going on? Let's try to figure it out. So we can talk again soon and uh, keep yeah. up to date with each other. I'd love to have you back uh, back on again soon. Yeah, we definitely will. And what I'd say is that the rising tide lifts all ships. So, you know, I appreciate you for having me on and bringing the evidence out there. Of course, I'll come and talk again anytime you want. So just reach out to me, Stephen. Thank you very much and your uh, listeners for listening to the evidence once again. Yeah, fantastic. So we'll keep up to date. I'm sure, you know, keep up there on uh, on Twitter at uh, just X Ashton. And of course, for myself at UA Podcast 850. Always a lot going on in social media and on Twitter X uh, specifically. So we'll talk again soon, Ashton. Thanks again for your time today to discuss all of this with MH370. Thanks. Um, honestly, we probably could have spoken for about two or three hours. It's just such a fascinating discussion. It's a fascinating topic to me. There's so many variables and everything that goes along with it about, you know, if this means this and if this part is true, then that means this part is true. And what about that part? And what happened to the people on the plane? You know, I mean, I know that's some, a question a lot of people ask and something that, you know, uh, Ashton and I didn't get to this time around. You know, where did they go? You know, we've spoken about uh, Diego Garcia before. If they're teleported, were they teleported to the secret base out there that the U.S. military has in, uh, you know, uh, Diego Garcia? You know, what is the why? That's a question that I know Ashton has thought about before and I've thought about before. And we, I think we spoke about the first time. When we uh, spoke about two or three months ago, like when we sit, when I say, what is the why, why would the U.S. deploy some type of secret advanced super technology to save a plane? It's not going to be out of the, the kindness of their own hearts. I can tell you that. So why would they do it? Who was on that plane would be the question that I would put out there. Or I, I don't know. I mean, it's just it's, like I said, it's a fascinating discussion and it just all the questions that arise from it. So. I appreciate Ashton's time in going over all that. Uh, there is so much more to discuss. And like we said in the interview, I'm going to keep up with Ashton and uh, see what see what happens next, see what comes up next in this whole subject and this whole discussion. A lot more to come on UAP and UAP Weekly. You know, when it comes to catastrophic disclosure, that is something that I want to explore more. What would that look like? Going to try and cover that subject a little bit more, of course, as well as... Uh, what else is going on? You know, what, what's going to pass? What's not going to pass when it comes to all these amendments and and acts trying to be passed through Congress for UAP disclosure? It's been a wild ride and a bumpy ride. That is for sure when it comes to the politics 
behind UAP. Oh, man. Mired UAP disclosure mired in politics. Never want to see that. But nevertheless, that's where we are today when it comes to all this and so much more to come, especially too. Don't forget um, Bizarre Encounters Part 3. That will come in uh, Episode 77 of the traditional classic UAP. So a lot to come, a lot to keep up with. So make sure you follow along at UA Podcast 850 on social media, on Twitter. Uh, specifically, is where I do a lot of the updating. You can send me an email at sdineruap at gmail.com. That's S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com. If you don't want to go through social media channels, you can send me an email there. Anything you have to say, good, bad story, anything that you want to get across to me, uh, feel free to send because I always try to respond to everybody as much as I can. Oh, and make sure to check out UAPpodcast.com. Everything for the show is there as well. UAPpodcast.com. They did a great job with that website. But again, stay up to date. Everything going on on Twitter. I'll try to keep you updated as much as I can with uh, all the things going on in the world of UAP and on the show. So all that said, thank you again so much for listening and considering everything here today um, when it comes to this discussion around MH370. Like I said, much more to come, so stay up to date right there on Twitter, at UA Podcast 850. It's Stephen Diener here on the Unidentified Alien Podcast. I will talk to you again soon. Thank you.